the ache for home lives in all of us a place where we can go and feel safe mm. and not be questioned for who we are which yeah. is by Maria and yeah hi I'm Dina teacher and reluctant puppeteer turned host of La Bifana's Table, a podcast dedicated to the art of sacred hospitality. For each week, listeners are invited to feast on real-life stories of hope and healing, as well as soul-nourishing conversations with folks from all walks of life who are utilizing their gifts in both small ways and large to make the world a more beautiful place. So pull up a seat, tell some friends, and become a part of a legendary story. Welcome back to another episode of Waffle on this Table. I'm your host, Dina Gregory. Today, I have the pleasure to introduce all of you to Bronx-based Ghanaian-born artist, TJ. TJ creates site-specific installations, collages, and paintings that address issues that confront his community and humanity. His works have been exhibited both nationally and internationally. He currently resides in the Bronx and also maintains a studio in Ghana, which serves as a sanctuary for visiting artists to interact with local residents, promoting multicultural dialogue through story circles and art workshops, a source of motivation for him in both his studio and teaching. Our episode today begins with TJ sharing the story of our first encounter and then goes on to explore the multi layered stories and symbolism behind his collage works, which are currently on view at Casita Maria in the Bronx, as well as the Baobab tree. So let's jump right in. We met maybe a few blocks away. It was the Harlem Festival. Yeah. So it was happening on the street. And it was myself and my very good friend and business partner, Musa. We had a book and you came by the book. Yeah. And one lady just was like, hey, D, come in. <laughs> yeah. Can you tell so, people about that image? It was a yeah, little so, girl. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a piece that um, my own depiction of the Statue of Liberty. Yeah. And the composition, I call it Mama Ubuntu. Mm-hmm. Mama meaning, meaning mom and then Ubuntu meaning I am because we are. So yeah. the mother of all of us, yes. the mother who is there that made all of us be, if you have, take the silhouette of it. So it is exactly the Statue of Liberty silhouette, oh, except wow. for that crown that you see like that, because I changed the crown to a head wrap, which has the wisdom knot. So uh-huh. that tie she has on the forehead is the wisdom knot. And then the, her face it's a combination of three special friends oh. and my mom. Wow. So the lips is my mom's lips. Really? Yeah. And then the nose is um, Antoinette. The eyes is Janelle Naomi. And then we'll talk about Janelle again because she played another instrumental role in giving me the book Mufaro's Beautiful Daughters. Oh. That you know, open up a whole solo show. So that is Janelle for the eye. So Janelle, Antoinette, my mom, and then the hand. Yeah. And the hand that is holding the Ankh symbol has a bracelet. That bracelet is from a friend called Stephanie Alberado. That's her wrist. Uh, and then she told wow. me a beautiful story. She said it's a good luck one that was yeah. given to her by her grandma. And you know, a whole story. So I thought, oh, if I'm doing a composition of something that I want to represent the people, mm. I wanted to represent some people that have played instrumental role in my life. Antoinette was my first collector, one of the first collectors of my art when I moved to the U.S., yeah. Janelle is a teacher, an artist, a poet, and a, pro- a very good friend to me who we see each other as sisters and we became very good knowing each other's families and knowing projects. Yeah. And we met during a program that I had. So she eventually was my student and then we became good friends. I went to her school to talk with her kids mm. and then... 
my mom, obviously my mom. Yeah. And not only my mom being my mom, but she played an instrumental role with her mom in my art practice. Mm -hmm. When I was made, I wanted to go into art school. There was a lot going on with why would I want to do art for living? Mm. You know, there is society telling you not to do because you cannot survive in this. Right. And then there is religion also. Being a Muslim, there is some part of my family, some uncles, that later they got to understand, understand why art is so beautiful, even for Islam. So there was, that was also that. And my mom just made a statement. That is why I used her lips for that. And oh. then she made a statement that I should go and do what I want to do. As mm. long as what they are saying is between me and God. Mm. It's not about me and any man or human being. Right. It's between me and God. I should just go do my art, study my art, and use it to do positive things. Right. And when God asks me, I should tell him what I did with my art. Oh. <laughs> Whoever has a problem with TJ should <laughs> see her, should come and talk to her and leave TJ alone. It's amazing because, you know, I don't know the layers of the mm-hmm. stories that were just in that one oh, image. Goodness. And that really pulled me. Yeah. Like, and I was after that. Mm-hmm. Like, whatever she was, you know, the I am because we are. Yeah. I was after that mm-hmm. understanding in my yeah. own life, I think at that point, really yeah. on like a, uh, on a soul level in a mm-hmm. very uncomfortable way that yeah. like when you can find an image sometimes it like, I don't know, it makes the inner experience mm-hmm. kind of settle a little yeah. bit. And I just remember looking at her and that little, that girl mm-hmm. and, and just being like, wow. Yeah. And she was the centerpiece in our book. Yeah, yeah. But we put her at the top. Yeah. Yeah. There is a lot to decode in that piece. Everything in the piece is intentional. Yeah. The fabric, you know, wrapped around here yeah. is the uh, David Hammond's uh, black version of American flag. Yes. Where he used the red, green, black mm-hmm. for the American flag. I use it on here. In the background also, you know, in my pieces, I try to document like a time capsule. I want mm. to store certain information that becomes history that one day when it's unveiled you would be able to remember like a hundred years from now if you see mama ubuntu elements around it will will remind you that that was the time when black panther was released so Uh i painted that piece and didn't know what to put in the background i kept painting to kind of have a time stamp that this is what was going on yeah (laughs) society yeah and then all these friends that i mentioned except for antoinette we went to go see black panther and then after that movie i was like wow now i see the reason why i couldn't paint the background because i got the background Ah. The background is a scene where they did the fight for the challenge. Yeah. That is what I put in there. But I still, I put waterfall in it. That waterfall represents where I was born, Kintampo. So I was born in Ghana, in yeah. Kintampo, which is known for its waterfall. I put that ah. waterfall in the piece. Man, it's, this is like you can spend one time with one piece, but it's, I think it's in, mm. important, these kind of, any art I'm saying is like a point of encounter that creates connections, you yeah. know, that create other connections, which to me is the grand mm-hmm. piece of art that God is yeah, <laughs> somehow yeah. orchestrating in ways that we don't have any understanding about. I do remember when I was looking through some of looking at your collages, what stood mm-hmm. out was the one, the project that has Mufaro's Beautiful Daughters, which is an African tale mm-hmm. in it. And that project was focused on the, the ache for home. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about the ache for home? Yeah. So that series, it's called The Ache for Home Lives in All of Us. Mm-hmm. The Ache for Home Lives in All of Us, a place where we can go and feel safe mm-hmm. and not be questioned for who we are, which yeah. is by Maria and so can you say that one more time <laughs> the egg for home lives in all of us a safe place where we can go and not be questioned for who we are mm. 
Now, to decode this would take a long time, but I'll do my best to give you a lot. But if you're able to see the show in person, whoever is listening would understand a lot of the layers that I'm talking about. So my entire art pieces or my entire art itself is inspired by my own personal stories, which then graduate from personal to looking around me within the family and then gradually goes to community and then from my community it goes to society and Mm. becomes a country and then it goes international and that is where it becomes a global affair or a global issue but the starting point starts with myself yeah and the first thing that it starts it's with love Right. So it's my whole, all these pieces that you see me making, regardless of what it turns out to be, it starts with the word love. Mm -hmm. And then love expands and becomes multiple things. And then it goes round and round and round and, you know, it's a cycle. Yeah. So this show, The Egg for Home, that is Maya Angelou's code, is the grandmother of the series. That is how the series started. But taking you a little bit back, um, yeah. in 2018, I had a beautiful daughter that was born. She's called Hafsat. So Hafsat is now in Ghana. She's turning five in August. But she moved to Ghana at the age of one. Wow. She was my best friend in the U.S. Mm-hmm. I say was because, you know, at that time, but she's still existing in Ghana. Yeah. And she was the love of her maternal grandmom because her maternal grandmom was in the U.S. Okay. And this old lady is about 63 or so, but she has cancer stage four. And each time she sees this girl, she forgets that she has cancer. Mm. And I saw it in her eye in whatever she does, even to the point she couldn't lift a cup of water but she was thinking she could lift this girl to play with mm. so when she was going to ghana yeah she asked me that she wanted to go with hafsa to ghana and i knew hafsa was medicine to her mm. so i agreed although mm. it was painful but to me what it what this girl is going to do with for this old lady is better than what she's doing to me I'm young, she's little, this old lady is sick. She's worked her entire life in the U.S. She came as an immigrant and old. Now she's sick, cancer stage four. She's tired of everything, but she finds joy and happiness in this little kid. Mm. So asking for her was like she's asking me to give her medicine. If I refuse, it means I'm refusing her medicine. So Mm. I agreed and she fly to Ghana with the little girl Mm. and I miss that little girl so much because I took her to my art exhibition she was in my studio if you see all my residency at children's museum I was with her Mm. so in thinking about what rituals I used to do with her I would always read to her and the book Mufaro's Beautiful Daughters was given to Hafsa as a gift from my friend Janelle Naomi when she was born. So when she was born, Janelle at that time, you know, I, like I said earlier, she's a friend, a sister, a student, an inspiration to me. And she's, you know, she's African-American. So she, she's part of the people who taught me the history of America for me to understand life in the U.S., the black and African-American experience in the U.S. I learned a lot of this through Janelle and my friends that are around me. So whenever I miss the girl, I think about what we used to do where I would read this book to her I would read the book, I would read other books, I would read the Quran. Occasionally we go on YouTube, watch music, you know, all this yeah. kind of stuff. And I would do all of that with her on my lap. And it got to a point, regardless of how tired I am, when I get home, she's waiting. Yeah. Although by then she was almost one and she's waiting. She would just be active when I got in the house and we would do our rituals. So all of this happened and now she's in Ghana. So I'm thinking about her and one time my uncle sends me a picture. The picture of her 
on my lap reading was taken when I didn't know. And mm. I didn't receive that picture until like two, three months when my, my uncle just walked in the house and saw me and he just took that picture. We, I didn't know. Two months, three months later, he just sent me a text with the picture. Like, where did he get this? So when she went to Africa, later COVID also hit. I started experimenting on what to do with my art, you know, personal studio practice. What right. would I do? So I started working on collage pieces and then the egg for home, you know, I keep thinking about this and I'm thinking, okay, regardless of how I miss her, this is where the code fits in. She's going to grow in a place where she's going to be accepted for who she is mm. and not be seen as other. Right. And now her name is, uh, means little lioness and she's... Uh, <laughs> It means little lioness. Oh my God, that's the best. (laughs) Watch out world. (laughs) That's a destiny right there. (laughs) Yeah, and she is born in August, which is Leo. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Again, the house means somebody who is conscious of fashion and of arts Uh and somebody who has empathy and giving charity. Mm. So that is like the quotes around her name. So when now she's going to grow in Africa and come back and live in the U.S. From all the, that I know of the U.S., she's going to come and mm-hmm. face her own life. Yeah. Because it would get to a point I she's living her life and I'm just watching. So I made that collage, you know, to keep her in my mind. So I just created a whole series. And then that series, when it got to Casita Maria, the curator, uh, Gail, she looked at it and said, wow, she wants to make um, a suggestion. Do I have a title for the show? I said, yeah, for the show, I do not. But for the series, it's The Egg for Home from Maya Angelo. And she said, how about we call it Read to a Child? And I was like, yeah, it makes sense because I'm reading to a child. And I remember there is an artist called Hadi Shaban, who is like a cousin of mine. He does music in Africa. He has a song called Read to a Child. Oh. In one of the posts, Instagram posts I did, I have that playing in the background when I was making that piece. It's interesting, you know, the ache for home and then it, it transferring just... I mean, that to me is like often one of the, just like the most intimate acts mm-hmm. like of being read to, read you know, to, I yeah. just, at least in my own journey, I've, I've had a lot of this ache for home, like mm-hmm. a really crazy level ache. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, this really, you know, I have a nostalgic, I'm like mm-hmm. one of these nostalgia people, but I'm also aware that I can't go back. Yeah. Right. Like. I have a painting of my, my childhood home mm-hmm. in my, that an artist like who lived across the street from me made mm-hmm. my family. And it's always been like prominent in my mm-hmm. life. And yet I have an awareness that there's no going back. Yeah. Right. So home is this, this kind of mm-hmm. almost an illusion. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so there's an, a nostalgia kind of to it. And mm-hmm. a lot in like why I really connected with this book, I, I would say, in that place where there was that ache for home, mm. but now aching for, you know, it was like a loss of something that no longer can be, mm-hmm. like really accepting. Yeah. I'm not going to go return to my childhood home. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe in like the future, I, <laughs> I can go buy it again. We'll see. But who knows? But like, I did find a lot in my own journey. Mm-hmm. I started reading, you know, I'm a teacher. So I was mm-hmm. reading children's books to kids, but like, I needed them. Yeah. And it was like, I was reading to myself for a while in kind of trying to soothe that ache. And this was one of the books books. that was like beyond. It was like, it hit, it fulfilled that ache a little bit Mm -hmm. and it it started to like soothe it a little bit more, but I really resonated with this. And I feel like for me, that safe place where we can go and be as we are and not question. Like, question. That's what I'm creating here. Yeah. You know, like you look for that safe place and everywhere mm-hmm. and then you go like, oh, I have the ability to create, create this yeah. safe place in the midst of the wildness mm-hmm. of this of this world. Yeah. And so I feel like that's like a that's a beautiful um, yeah. power that we all <laughs> that we all have. That we all have. <laughs> like it's like we don't have to wait for the society to change, to change, to create, like, this is my safe place. Mm-hmm. Whether it's in, in my imagination 
or now it's actually even more real, yeah. right? We're, mm-hmm. we're at a physical place. Yeah. We're having a conversation, that sense of safety mm-hmm. where we can just yeah, that's a trust. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, the interesting part is, I do not believe home as a physical space. Right. Yeah, you know, I believe it's um, it's within your heart. Yes. Yeah, and you know, when I know we'll talk about this later, but when I made the piece um on at the Van Cortland Park, I said I'm happy for it to be there, mm. for it to exist. In yeah. physicality in the Bronx because the, I've called the Bronx home for me yeah. since 2014, uh, 2013, but 2014 was when I started living in the Bronx. Right. So I've called this place home, although I have another place that I call home. And being um, born in Ghana, uh, my tribe is Hausa, where migration from Nigeria through Ethiopia, from the Arabians to so all this lineage. We always say we're going home. Mm. So it's a dialect, Danigida. I'm going home. I'm going home. And when you ask this person where is home, they will go to Africa. And when they go in Africa, they spend like two weeks, two months, three months, and they come back to the US or go back to the West or wherever yeah. they are living now. And then after four years, five years, they say, I'm going home. And now when you go to that home, you're spending just a few weeks or months. Yeah. But the place that you don't call home, you're staying there for a long time. Mm. So that is where you come in. Now you are here, you see this place as home. Mm-hmm. But again, you still have a picture of home. Yeah. So just bring that picture of home to where you are living now right. and live, in, live the present. And, and that's that's exactly because I feel like you can always be longing for the past of a, what version of home that was. And I know that everything is temporary. Mm-hmm. So, right, Lava Fana's table exists right in my apartment in Harlem. So how does that table travel with me? With you. Which, you know, one knows, mm-hmm. you know, that you carry home <laughs> with you. So it's like to mm-hmm. be your safe place, to become your own safe yeah. place. I'll give you um, a proverb. It's an Ashanti proverb, um, which says, A dainty say adaka and dada. People have made music with it in the contemporary world. It means if home was like a box, I would have traveled with mine mm. long ago. Mm-hmm. So home to these people who, you know, at that time, ancient Ghana and then present Ghana and people who migrate from the villages to the main city, yeah, um, they have challenge of place to stay. Mm. But when they think about home, they, they come from a big family. Right. They have a huge house, a big mansion, beautiful family. And then when they get to the city, they are mistreated mm. and they don't have a place to sleep. And some of them would be sleeping in front of the shops, in front yeah. of just looking for a place to spend the night and hit back the street the next morning. So they, that is how the, this proverb came up. When you mentioned the Labafana table yeah. and stuff that you could move. So that is where the proverb comes that home, if home was physical, like a box, mm. I would have traveled with my wherever I am in the world. Right. And then it goes back again to say home is not a physical box, but it is within your heart. Right. So move, travel with it wherever you are. Mm. Yeah. And actually be there. Be there. Well, I actually think this is a great transition because there's something about place. And for me, at least in my journey, locating myself Mm. more so than like, who am I? Which is like a crazy existential question that I'm like, wow, that's like too much. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. But the like need to want to locate oneself. Mm-hmm. And so I'm kind of curious, you know, you do a lot of site specific works that are linked to place. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious where that came from. And then obviously sharing where your most, your most recent site specific pieces in Van mm-hmm. Cortland Park. Yeah. What is mm-hmm. the role of place in your work? Yeah. Um, I can put it in this way, maybe like the nostalgia of yeah. place and time. Yes. But when created into physical, it becomes something that is very poetic. 
Mm. So at this point, I wanted I would just pause for audience to also yeah. answer this question to yourself if you're listening mm. with a friend or with a family. Oh, I like just taking a pause. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like just ask, talk to each other. Like, mm. what is home to you? Where is home for you? Mm. Okay, now <laughs> we're back. The piece that I have at Van Cortland Park is called Baobab, the Tree of Life. Yeah. When I was I was born in Ghana again, I would say this two million times until you were born. Hey, keep going. <laughs> yeah. So because um, remember, personal history plays a very uh, significant role in my work. So I attended a boarding school. Very beautiful. Okay. Anytime I mention boarding school, and I say it with pride and with joy and beautiful memories of my school, which is St. John's Preparatory. It's a Roman Catholic school that is the best education that has ever happened to me as a childhood. I grew up in the hands of people who did not worship like my mom and dad, Mm. but they gave me the love that my mom and dad would give me. Mm. Mm -hmm. And today in my pieces, in the art that I do, I try to translate that. Mm. And I believe it was very strategic of you know, my dad to have done that. I was the youngest to go in the school mm-hmm. from first grade until junior high. Mm. So I went to the school from day one. I loved to be there. The reason were why. there many other non-Catholic yeah, families? Yeah. A lot of okay. Yeah, but yeah. for families like my family, like we got the Muhammad, like we were. For the Muslims, but there's a lot of like all of the religions. You yeah. know, this is a boarding school that mm. was oh, that is open. That is where I first found Buddhists, Hindus, because you know they would come on Sundays to visit their kids. Yeah, and we made all these multi-religion uh, culture events. And my family was one of the. We were the minority because we were Muslims. It, right. It's a Catholic school. But within the Islam, we were the majority. Okay. Yeah, so because we were a lot. Like everyone in my family, my cousin, and my dad took care of a lot of kids from the neighborhood. (laughs) So he took care of a lot of people. (laughs) Yeah, so that is how. And among all these lot of people, I was the youngest. Mm. I was there before I turned seven. Uh I was in the boarding school. So that memory... I stayed in stuck in my mind. And each time we go home on vacation, we would travel to the northern part of Ghana, mm-hmm. from the south to the north. When you're doing that trip, it would be between 13 to 14 hours drive. Okay. So we would be assigned a driver and then we just drive. When you're on this journey, all you see would be the bush, the trees. And when you get to the savannah, somewhere six hours in your drive, it would be savannah, or you will see it mm-hmm. would be the dry land with the beautiful baobab trees in different shapes. Mm. So, like Steve Jobs says, you cannot connect the dots moving forward. You have to connect them moving backwards. Yes. So, I connect going backward, and now I see that, oh, all this stuff that I'm they were doing, there. they were there already. They are just coming from... Yeah. Somewhere. Remember us. That's it. That's how the image of the Baobab tree stayed in my mind. In art school, I would do all my landscape paintings would have another version of a Baobab. And yeah. I'm not just drawing a tree, but I would start drawing a tree with a human being doing something because that is how I used to see these trees. I yeah. would see them like a woman carrying a pot or like a child playing, uh, yeah, like, like a, you know, like a man running. That's how I saw things yeah. in my mind. <laughs> yeah. So I would start by drawing that and I'll turn it into a tree. Oh, uh-huh. okay. So, so that you could see like when yeah. you're looking at a tree, but you see an image in it, it, it but you would start with the image and then, and then transform move to the tree. Ah, uh, yeah. Okay. And that is like my childhood memory of the Baobab tree that they, they, they move. They are human beings. They have life. Mm. So that's how I They're knew beings. they are beings. I saw the Baobab trees as well. They, they move. They are beings themselves. Yeah. They have a life. And then later I got to know that, yes, 
I'm not just, you know, messing up or, you know, in my mind, but yes, it's reality. That is how they are in the spiritual world. And in the physical world, we see their shadow, which is their image that we see like that. Can you give a little bit more background in terms of culturally, like, how is the Baobab tree mm. looked at, revered, like, yeah. you know, what is it to people who see it as sacred? Yeah. Okay. So the Baobab tree, it's spelled B-A-O-B-A. B. Yeah. So the Baobab tree, it is a succulent tree that grows on its own. It's, it's, it creates its own nutrients yeah. and nourishes itself. It is a tree that it creates sanctuary for people who live around it. It's also a gathering space for people to do meetings, settle dispute, markets. It's a whole, it's a, like a GPS yeah. on its own. And you could describe each baobab tree to somebody who is walking, let's say, from Brooklyn to Harlem with baobab trees. And they would get to where you want them to go because each one has a different element that the villagers or the people around them need know. Wow. And even if you go into time, you know, um, I don't like this part of it, but the botanical name of it, um, I cannot even say, it, but it is a name of... I don't want to be mistaken, but I think it's a, of a French uh, inventor or somebody who okay. discovered that. But again, when you go deep, it's not, it shouldn't have been the name of somebody who is outside of the territory of a baobab tree. Right. Yeah, but the botanical name of it uh. originated from this person. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So if you Google it, you will see more of the stories that I'm talking about and how it relates and how how much story and history goes around it. And the baobab tree is the best that would keep a secret for you. (laughs) It has a very soft skin, but very hard on the inside. So you can dig the baobab tree, just scoop it, and then you hide a message or you put anything. Either you, you talk and blow it in, Okay. Or you put a piece of paper or a stone or anything, a piece of stick, you write something and you put it in, you cover it back. After a few days, it's going to absorb it and you will see it heals itself. Really? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> that is the baobab tree. And when we were growing up as little kids, yeah. the leaves of the baobab tree is it's very, very, like it's medicine. Okay. The, it has these dry leaves. When the leaves fall, they grind it and they make soup with it. The soup is kind of like a dark army green. Okay. And they prepare it with um, the oil, either olive oil or shea butter or fat from cows. Yeah. And we used to hate that soup. And it's very delicious. But when you look at it, it's not inviting. Because, you know, it's great with, with shea butter, they, they make it. So it's not like it has like palm oil with some colors on it. It's very plain mm-hmm. until you taste it. And they, our parents would, you know, this, you know, it kind of lure us to eat it and say, oh, this is the food of Jannah, the food of in the heavens. Mm. This is the food you will eat when you go to heaven. So uh. if you eat this food, you are tasting the food of heaven. Mm. And the moment you taste it, because it's delicious, you forget that, oh, I was looking at it horrible, but it's sweet, it's nice. Uh, so that is like some of it, the skin, the leaves, and there is a myth around it, which I believe in it, that it was when it was sent down to earth, it was given to the animal ahina, the ahinas to bring it to the world. Mm-hmm. And the ahina out of anger, did not place it, but threw it on the earth. So when the Baobab landed, it landed upside down. Mm. So that has also another spiritual world in it. When it landed, it landed upside down. That is why a lot of people are saying the leaves or the, the branches of a Baobab tree from a distance looks like another root oh. of, of the tree. So, if they are in a tree with any landed upside down, we are seeing the, the roots, which is looking like stem and bearing fruits. Yeah. It means, originally, what is in the ground is the leaves. 
Mm-hmm. So there is a whole world happening there. That is why the baobab tree would always heal itself. It could be as big as 75 foot. Mm. It could stay for 500 years. Wow. So, yeah. Unfortunately, in Kenya, it's reported that some of them are cutting down and selling it to investors from Georgia. But there's been a lot of... This is recently when oh, during okay. the installation. But I did a, another Instagram live with one of the organizations from Kenya to discuss some of these topics and how mm. can we help these people. Okay. It's just lack of information. Yeah. If they know what the Baobab or how the Baobab could be source of wealth to them, they would not agree to, to cut, cut it, it down and sell it. And sell it for less than a thousand dollars. Yeah. Oh my it's god. It's like six hundred or eight hundred. Imagine you sell a tree that is over two hundred <laughs> years old no. for that amount of money. Yeah. But it's business you create a problem for people and you make them feel bad and you come with money and say, oh, yeah. I've come to solve your problem. And they will like, wow, they take the money and you take what you want. Yeah. But it's rather unfortunate. Anyway, that is the history of a Baba. Yeah. There is a lot to see on the internet and YouTube. However, we now have our version, our your installation of the Baobab tree, which is in Van Cortland Park. And mm-hmm. so... Why Van Cortland Park? How did it get there? And, you know, what is the significance of it of it being there for you? Okay, yeah. So, in 2020, I was one of three artists that was invited by New York City to design the Black Lives Matter mural in the wake of George Floyd. So, we designed the Black Lives Matter mural in downtown in front of the courthouses. Yes. And I designed the word black. You know, that street is yep. now called the Black Lives Matter Boulevard. I didn't know the that. one that now was in front of the mm-hmm. house on Center Street. Yeah. Yeah. So I designed the word black and the elements I put in the word black is in reference of our ancestors and paying homage to how far we have come and how do we acknowledge those that came before us. And it also references the I have a dream speech of Martin Luther King. Okay. Everybody, because at the end of the day, we all come from every place. We all have different ideology, but the speech is saying how we can all, at the end of the day, be one, because that is what he said in a dream. Yeah. And that is what the black represent. So when I was called upon to design for my, you know, the grand accepted, I mean, this, we can talk about that later on mm-hmm. how, you know, the whole thing happened. But the Baobab tree, I had it in my sketch. I don't know when, but mm-hmm. I received a sketchbook from a friend. Uh, it's a handmade sketchbook from Mexico. And I kept that sketchbook very sacred. I don't draw anything just by heart in it. I Every idea or every meeting minute that I put in there means something deeper than just what you are reading and right. seeing. So I have this sketch of a barbell tree in there. Okay. Just like you are seeing it, but only with pen marks. Yeah. Um, indicating where the Adinkra symbols. Adinkra symbols are symbols that have their own migratory history from Ghana where they are used uh, as form of communication. Okay. So those are, that, those are the symbols that I use on the tiles, on the broken tiles, the mosaic pieces, which I can, I'll talk about their names later. So now I'm referencing the African burial ground. Right. But when I was designing the one in downtown, the mural, I was thinking about the one block or two block away from the mural is the African burial ground. Right. Yeah. So I was thinking about that. I took all those elements I used to design black to design the mosaic of the baobab tree. And then I put the baobab tree in the center as a space where peace is created. Right. A space where sanctuary is created, a mm. place where healing is created. Mm-hmm. That is where all the elements and the meaning, symbolic and, uh, symbolic and spiritual meaning of the Baba tree is where I'm putting all of those. Mm. But it's surrounded by these symbols, which are forms of communication. Each symbol has its own meaning and proverb. 
that is tied to the African culture, precisely Ghana. Okay. But it has some migration that goes back in Ivory Coast. So in many years ago, these were symbols that um, you might see like Jinyami, Sankofa, it will look like a symbol that looked like a bird or a heart. Right. Or one of them will look like the target symbol, like the target supermarket symbol. But these were symbols that would be used as form of communication between two villages or okay. two chiefs or two friends. Right. Or families sending condolences, sending message of strength, sending message of wisdom, mm. and sending spiritual connection of ancestors through these symbols. And there are even the similar one in the Nigerian is the Uli symbols. Uli spelled um, U L I symbol in Nigeria. They have similarities mm -hmm. because they are used in healing. Mm. Some of these symbols will be drawn, you will see them as a tattoo, but they are not only for beautification tattoo, but they are healing tattoos. Mm. Some people might have it on them when they are pregnant as a form of creating an energy to protect and give them strength for a safe delivery. So right. these are all symbols that have a whole life on their own. Right. I use them around the tree. Yeah. To create this conversation. Right. That would absorb the energy on the ground, pull it up with the tree. So the tree looks like somebody that is opening their arms. Yeah. If you look at it yeah. from afar like that. And then it has its fruits, which I reference New York City. The Metro cards. The Metro cards. <laughs> yeah. So, and the tree has, it's uh, created with wooden panels within laminated panels. It has 13 on one face and then another mirror 13. So to create that square. And then it has a place where you could go inside. Yeah. I like how we started with the kids, with your students. Yeah, that is, you know, how baobab trees could you use as a sanctuary space. And baobab trees absorb water. It's like a storage tank. Hmm. It's a succulent trunk. Yeah, it sucks. It's, it absorbs water and feeds its own self. That is why it can grow in the hottest and driest land. It can still grow. Wow. Yeah, when you cut a barbar tree yeah. down after some years, it's, you're going to see that it's forcing itself to start growing. <laughs> So we have a lot to learn from our Baobab Shreve friend over there. <laughs> we have a lot to learn. <laughs> but I, I loved just the, you know, going inside, you know, mm -hmm. for us having, we were blessed to have an experience. And we got to sit inside of the Baobab tree. And I, you know, I thought that was very sweet with the innocence of the, of, of the, the students the and event. just dreaming and like uh, this space to dream yeah. you know the space to like wonder yeah you know yeah. I, a lot of those i'm lucky mm -hmm. and you're probably lucky too oh, as uh, an artist and then you're a teaching artist mm -hmm. as well that like you know when you're around kids all the time you're you're a lot you're often in that kind of dream play mm -hmm. space of possibilities True. where i feel like the rest of the world is not so lucky sometimes, you know, that they yeah. don't, that, you know, there's, that there's not so much access mm -hmm. to sitting inside <laughs> the Baobab tree, tree and speaking your dreams and looking at and, the moon above it. Yeah. Um, yeah. but it's, it's so beautiful, you know, where, you know, where you've placed it, um, in Van Cortland park, mm. um, and can you tell us a little bit more about like the burial ground there? Yeah, so um, the burial ground is the the tree is placed right in front of the in front of the burial ground. It's facing the ground, the burial ground, as a way to paying homage and creating a symbol of remembrance. Yeah, as people gather around, it becomes a center for that communication. But on on Van Cortland Park. It's right behind the tennis court. Yeah. And it overlooks the burial ground. The burial ground, I believe, it was in the 18, 1800s yeah. when it was discovered as um, a burial site 
in Bangkotland Park, where the park also has its own history of, you know, the Bangkotlands, mm-hmm. who used to be the, where the house is now the museum. Yeah. So, um, having to have it right there actually was not my decision mm. to put it there, but it was my <laughs> desire, my wish for right. it to pay homage to the ancestors. Yeah. In my mind, the one that I kept seeing was the one next to the mural downtown. Right. But now, Beam Center, which is the project, you know, managers for the thing or the curators, they created I designed it and they, they built it. Yeah. Together with, I think, 10 or 15 fellows who played an instrumental role mm. with all the funders that came out to support in making, you know, realizing this dream. Yeah. I felt it's an honor to have it. But to have it in Bangkok Lampard, I was proposing there is, you know, when you walk in where your bus parked, there mm-hmm. is a space that looks like another burial ground, which is like a memorial. You yeah. see a lot of flags. Yeah. yeah. So next to it, there is a, a space where, next to the swimming pool, yeah. that was where I had said, okay, if we get Bangkok Park, I would want it to be here because it's look overlooking the Broadway and then the subway train. Mm. But when Bangkok Park saw it and then they also got into it and I would always say the ancestors drew the piece to them because of its significance to them Right. Uh, we've been um, proud of what they did to us we're trying to give them something that we're trying to remember them continue remembering them that they are living in a world that has no me me it's all about us. Mm. So in their world, it's about how can we make these people enjoy life? How can we support these people? How can we protect these people? Mm. It's not about how one single ancestors. How can I know in the ancestral world, it is a collective spirit mm. that comes onto, you know, the physicalities that we are seeing here. And they are always with us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they are always with us. So, and they are more closer to us than we can even imagine. I think yeah. when you uh, when you do spend more time honoring your ancestors mm-hmm. or like and honoring the mystery of life mm-hmm. with your ancestors being a part of that. Yeah. I just, I think it helps you navigate this, this world yes. a, lot, a lot better. Yeah, yeah sure. You know, I mentioned um, Kenya earlier, the, the organization's name is Kijiji. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if it was their interview or another one, you know, but I was asked how to, how do we create this connection? Mm. And it's very simple. It's just an act of gratitude. Yes. Just ask yourself. And you don't have to think about an ancestor as, oh, let me think, maybe I lost, have I lost like, generation grandparents yeah no if you are a child that has their mom living and dad living on earth now just start with them yeah be grateful to them express your gratitude to mm-hmm. them. now that is going to continue even when they depart from you to nourish yeah because you would then see it as oh you know my dad has passed, passed away last year June but I never see him as somebody who passed away. Right. Because of how close we are yeah. and how much I see him in everything that I do. Mm. That even what, like he's always present. Yeah. And there are a group of people, you know, I mean, it depending on your faith and your, your way of life. Yeah. To audience who are familiar with, there is a group of people called the Ibadu Rahman, the people of blessing. Oh, I don't. The know. ancestors of blessing. If you find yourself in a situation where you feel unblessed, mm. just say this: say, "Oh, the people of blessing. Oh, the blessed people. All the blessed people. All the people who share blessing. Don't even look at them as ancestors who share blessing. No." Just say, oh, or just say, oh, the those that give blessing. Mm. Bless me right now. 
Mm. For I am, example, I am going to an interview tomorrow. Yeah. I don't know what to do. I want you to be with me at the interview and yeah. be my mouthpiece because you know what happened before and you know what is happening now. Mm. So take charge of me. You know, just talk to them like you would with your mom or dad or yeah. uncle or any siblings and give more, be more grateful. You don't have to look for somebody to be grateful to than yourself. Right. If you're being grateful to yourself over and over, it's easy to be grateful to anybody who is around you. And you that- are your own ancestor. Because one day you are going to also be remembered as, hey, Dina was Mm. on this podcast and this (laughs) and that and that. Wow, it's already 100 years and we still feel like Mm. we're listening to her on our phones. Mm. Now, this relationship becomes present and you never go in. Right. I think that awareness can probably be developed earlier, but I think there's a place of going... I want to be a good ancestor. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Like, mm-hmm. how do I, how do we all start living our lives in a way that we're like, that someone calls upon, you know, man, mm-hmm. Dina, help me out with this. Yeah. <laughs> Damn it. I'm in a, <laughs> I'm in a real, I got myself in a real dizzy over here. <laughs> <You know? laughs> right. <laughs> just like, you know, someone, you know, yeah. then I think like, but we've lost that imagine, like, the survival state that we're in, Mm -hmm. like our, we've lost this ability to think seven generations back Mm -hmm. and seven generations forward and go, yeah. Like what do we do to be good ancestors? How do we live in this life Mm -hmm. in a more upright way? And maybe we got to clean up some of our garbage, (laughs) but that like, you know, just like your art, it starts in close. Yeah. And you know, like every time I've wanted to go, ah, mm. like I just keep getting smashed back into like the deeply personal. Yeah. Cause the deeply personal is, is the universal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like yeah. we can work in these yeah. very in close places. Mm-hmm. And it seems like, I think for me, when you see the world and you see like the craziness of it and you go like, what can my impact be? Or yeah. how do I, how do I act in a way in which like maybe this like changes the the trajectory of mm-hmm. where it seems like it could be going in a not good direction. You're like, how do we just like, like, mm-hmm. like course correct. You know, everyone yeah. lean to this side. We're going to go in this direction because that direction them. not so great. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you can still do that when by just by looking at it and wishing for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you just look at it and you wish this driver wouldn't have started that decent of the other driver. Right. But we're all the drivers. <laughs> and we're like, wait, who's driving the bus? Oh shit, all of us. <laughs> and we all have to. You started it. And we all kind of kind of start yeah. going. <laughs> I don't know where it goes, but. <laughs> It's amazing. It's a beautiful world. It is. It's, it is a really, like, we have this weird, beautiful mm-hmm. opportunity yeah. to be here. Mm-hmm. We're not always going to be here. We have these, like, hands and minds and creativity. And I guess I would also just, like, hope that anyone who's listening, like, that you can start from the in-close. Well, like, we mm-hmm. can do things from yeah. a, a place of inspiration mm-hmm. and a place of love Yeah, that... You know, <laughs> when you also talk about it starting from within, yeah, starting with from yourself, depending on where you are on your balance, yeah, as to how do I know that this is I'm starting with myself mm. or I'm starting with within. Well, a way that I can advise on how yeah, you can I be able do. to do that is don't worry about the mirror for a moment. Mm. Just look at right now. Okay, you're sitting right in front of me. We're looking at each other. Mm -hmm. Now you become that mirror. Mm. So I just look at you and begin to ask myself the question. If you are an environmentalist artist, if you are a drama, a musician, Mm. now look at the world and see what kind of 
music or what kind of pictures should A, B, or C person see that would heal them. Mm. You are not looking for it for yourself because now it's where you kind of looking at it as it's hard for me to know how can I see within myself. Right. So I want you not to look at the object mirror, but look at the human mirror. Right. That's yourself. Right. And I'm asking you, Dina. Now I look into the air. I look into your face. What does she need mm. to see that would nourish her soul? Right. To move from that direction to this direction. Mm. I want to control the mind of politicians. Mm. Okay, I'll imagine myself that I am the mayor of this town mm. or I am sitting in front of this mayor. I look at this mayor. Okay, this mayor, what kind of art should I create that this may that would command this mayor to make that decision mm. I want to see affect homeless people mm. or to take care of seniors. Now, right. when you begin to look at that, it's like uh, you're looking at the inside from the outside. So yeah. now you're looking deep inside oh, you, deep. but going, you're looking deep. at somebody to see yourself. Then you do all of that change mm. for that person. But you create it. If you're a musician, you create a music. If you're an artist, you're a poet, whatever mm -hmm. you create it. Now you have that object. Mm. That is your real self. Mine is different. I sometimes sit down and I look around me. I'm looking at this cup, this glass of water, and I look at it very careful with all the reflections. The moment I see all these reflections, I'm seeing it as a community. Each reflection of light that comes on this glass yeah. becomes, I look at it as a community. So I'm like, wow. So if this piece, I remember when I was in the meeting with the Baobab tree, I said, I do not want, they, they asked what I said, yeah, I have some stuff that I really want and I don't want for mm. this tree. Mm. What I do not want is for it to be in a space that people would have to be in a line or be right. struggling to go see it. Right. It is my gift. <laughs> yeah. It is my gift to the world. Mm. So if it's a gift, a gift is hadiyah. I want it to be a gift Hadi from hadiyah okay. or hadaya. Mm -hmm. um, I want it to be a gift to the people of the world through the people of the Bronx at the Van Cortland Park. But at that time, it was in the Van Cortland Park. I said I want it to be in a park settings mm. because I know when it's in a park, it's free. Right. Everybody has access to everyone it. Everyone has access. Everyone can engage with it. Engage everyone can not engage with it. I was sitting there last time when you guys mm -hmm. left. One, uh, some kids came. They kept calling all their friends. They did all the selfie and they tried to jump. You know, they were doing everything to it. I look at it. I'm like, yeah, that's what it's supposed to be. It is a gift to the world. So I want to start a conversation about ancestors. How do I start it? Then I place my baobab tree in the center of mosaic. Each broken tile that you see that is used to create that the mosaic around the baobab tree is one of the stuff that I said I like, I want to see. I do not want all the tiles to be fresh and beautiful. I want them to look broken because we are all broken. We are all from different parts. And I want us to come together and create symbols yeah. of healing mm. because we want to heal each other. Yeah. So you take 10 broken, uh, blue broken tiles, you put them together, you create a symbol called Jinyami, which means the supremacy of God. Mm. Or you create the symbol of Sankofa, which means learning from your past to inspire generations who will come in future. So good. So, so good. now, <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> each symbol is not solid. Each symbol is broken because we are all broken pieces from yes. everywhere, from Oregon, from China, from Bronx, <laughs> yeah. Brooklyn, yeah. and we all come together under one tree, which is called the Baobab tree. And the symbolism of the Baobab tree is to create joy and peace. Yeah. So how do we create joy and peace coming from different broken places? Mm. 
Then we came together, we created a symbol. Something better. And we created a square, we did this. And sometimes when you go closer to it, I told them I wanted, I don't want to see plain yellow. I want them to be like slightly shades of yellow mm. to, to create that variation of different color scheme. Uh, Each tree, you everything see Everything is purple. so intentional, wow. Yeah, and then it got to a point, I said, after this, whatever you can also add to it, add to it. So we sat down in a circle and everybody is throwing their ideas. None of their ideas changed my conceptual meaning mm. for the piece. Yeah. So I accepted it, which makes it a public art. Right. I designed it, but I want all of us to take ownership of, of what it is and what it becomes. What it becomes. Because there's so, something, you know, there's a difference between having a concept of Mm-hmm. Right, because there is something of that. I think you have to own the instinctual thing that it is coming through you. Mm-hmm. You're the instigator yeah. of this thing, mm-hmm. so that you are holding the concept and yeah. you know facilitating it. I uh-huh. think there is a natural hierarchy that mm-hmm. allows for that. But then there's like a softening and letting it go and mm-hmm. letting it become this public Sharing. piece. Mm-hmm. You know, how does this how does this individual thing then become this kind of collective? Yeah. Right, because then to me. I love that. I really yeah. love that a lot, you know, cause like for me right now, I don't know what this love of, maybe I, it's collective. What are we shaping? What are, we, what are mm-hmm. these conversations leading us to? Yeah. I have no idea. Sure. Um, but I think sometimes we get like, at least what, what's hard when you start is mm-hmm. you go, Oh, it's all on me. Yeah. And then you go, no, it's not. No. There's a collective wisdom. Mm-hmm. This is not about, you know, maybe there has to be the individual, that instigates. Yeah, yeah. Like, but then mm-hmm. for, but I think there's such a stronger collective wisdom out yeah. there yeah. than any individual mm-hmm. is can be like, and that's where it's like the letting go. Yeah. Okay. That's what I thought. Now, what is it? Now, what is it? What is it? Because and how do I trust the larger collective intelligence, collective mm-hmm. wisdom to, to take it where it's, it's supposed like, to go? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Just like how we met. Yeah. We met through a picture. Yeah. There were about a hundred vendors in that festival. I don't know how many of them you still have connections with. No, I don't. (laughs) Okay, good. So we met, (laughs) but how did we meet? Through one picture. Mm. How did I get to that festival? Because somebody's idea was to create a festival Mm. where vendors would come and sell. Yeah. And then I was pushed to buy a stand. Yeah. And then I got a stand and I was pushed to create a painting that Tina would see and like. And then she saw it and liked it. All of this happening. Right. Don't be shocked. Right. That if I say the intention of all that happened is not for you and I, mm. but it is for the listener listening yeah. today. Yes. So all that connection that we did, that somebody created the festival, I got a book, all of that is not the main issue. Right. The main purpose of why we have to know each other is because the listener who is listening today, yeah. they are the or later, yeah. Or later, yeah. And when I say today, I mean yeah. tomorrow, right now, in 100 years, in 2 million years, yeah. eternity. That person... It's because of that person that mm. we met. But there has to be something that would happen yeah. before that connections would happen. Somebody is listening from Mali mm. or listening from Hawaii. Yeah. All of these people, they are listening to it. They don't know me. They don't know you. Yeah. But now they know us. Yeah. It's not us that they have to know. It's what they have to listen to start their action. Mm-hmm. That is what they need. Right. And that's all they need to also start another revolution. Right. For another generation to take charge. Yeah. So whatever you are thinking of doing and you don't find meaning in it right mm. now, don't worry that you cannot find meaning in it. Just try. Take a step. And take a step. So, mm-hmm. how do you, let's just, you know, come to a close that feels good. 
how do people find you? Mm. You know, how do they engage with your your work? Mm. How long is it going to be at Caseta Maria? Uh, Caseta Maria is the solo show which will run until August 18. Okay. And the one at the park with the Baobab Tree of Life would be there until next uh, spring, spring okay. 2024. Casita um, Maria, you would have to, uh, you can just walk in during the weekdays or if you book an appointment, I would be there, I can be there and give you a tour. Okay. Uh, we have a conversation if it's a group. You can just let us know in advance. Wonderful. You're coming with a group and we can meet you either to make some art or create a beautiful discussion. Well, thank you so much for joining me at Lava yeah, Fun's table. Course. I feel like we, I don't, whatever anyone takes away from this conversation, there are lots of nuggets of healing in it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so feast away. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Thank you. And the conversation continues. Yeah. May it continue. I just want you to know yeah. conversations like this, it's an incredible healing process for mm. myself. Oh my God. So Me too. I want you to know that. And I'm amazed by the audience. We yeah. appreciate you. Thank you. And please continue. The whole reason for those of you who are listening on Apple, make sure you are subscribed to my Substack, dinagregory.substack.com. The whole purpose of me being on Substack is so that we can continue these conversations in the comments and so that more voices can be added to the table. We'll be in there and responding. So, all right, guys, until the next time. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Ciao. Thanks so much for pulling up a seat to Labafana's table get episodes sent direct to your inbox, as well as other perks such as access to our monthly community and connection hours, be sure to subscribe to my Substack, dinagregory.substack.com. Ciao!